Look around and you will see Christmas decorations and lights in homes and stores all around your community. But more important than our homes being prepared is our heart prepared. Prepare Him Room is Susie Larson's effort to help us make room for our King this Christmas season. Now this morning, we are revisiting a conversation with Susie, the author of our weekly blessings on MyBridge. Susie, welcome back to The Morning Conversation. Thank you for having me. We've had you on The Morning Conversation before, and I always have to tell you this because we still use your blessings. We have an e-newsletter that goes out every Monday. Pretty much every Monday, we have people that write because some of them think that you're part of our team or something, right? So, <laughs> I so am, sort of. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So they'll say, they'll say, Susie, thank you. That was exactly what I needed. Susie, God just used this blessing in my life significantly. It was just exactly what, when I opened up my email, that's what I needed to hear. So thank you for sharing your gift. Thank you for allowing us to use it. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing. It's meant to be shared. I really yeah. appreciate that. And isn't that such a picture of the body of Christ? Mm. Each of us doing our part to help nourish and encourage the mm. body as a whole. So yeah. I love that you're doing that. That's yeah. fantastic. Susie, you've written a, a new devotional book. This one's described as a daily Advent devotional. Advent's a word that uh, many hear around Christmas time, but probably some of us don't know quite what that even means. So what does the word Advent even mean? It means arrival. It means coming. And I think the reason I feel so passionate about this particular Advent season is that Jesus' return is nearer than it's ever been. And in generations past, Christians have used the previous four Sundays to Christmas to fast and pray, to prepare their hearts, to seek God afresh because they wanted to honor that Jesus came to earth. Fasting and praying. I mean, think about that. I mean, oftentimes we look at holidays as a chance to overindulge and kind of throw right. caution to the wind and kind of party down, you know, because it's been a hard year. We're going to have a good time with our fun parties. And there's nothing wrong with that, except that there's something very powerful about creating some space, practicing a measure of restraint as far as not overdoing everything so that you feel toxic and lethargic when you exit this year and enter the next year. Mm. So to me, this is an invitation not only to kind of get in the presence of mind that I'm going to honor the fact that Jesus came to earth. And not only did he come to earth, but he was in the womb of a a virgin teenage girl and born in a cave and laid in a trough. I mean, he identified with the lowliest of the low of society, the poorest of the poor. He made a a big statement there in the way that he was born. It's not like it was an oversight that they forgot to Mm. book a hotel room when Jesus was coming (laughs) to town. I mean, God was very purposeful about sending Jesus and about him being born where he was, when he was. And when I think of how he came to communicate such a earth-shaking message and the fact that he's coming again, but he's coming in a different way. He's coming as Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and the whole world will recognize him this time. Mm. I think just with his approach being nearer than ever before, what better time to go? I am not going to throw caution to the wind. I'm actually going to have a presence of mind to hear what the Lord is saying about my story. Susie, you were talking a few moments about one of the, the aspects of Christmas season is food and feasting and cookies. But at the end of each chapter of your new devotional, you have a type of fasting as part of it at the end of the chapter. Why did you go there and give us an example of one of those fastings? 
Jesus said, when he returns, it will be as in the days of Noah. In other words, people are going to be partying, drinking, kind of mm. given to revelry. And why is that? Well, because the culture will be in such chaos. Wickedness will be, you know, winning in the streets. And when that happens, people don't want to deal with it. They numb out. And then also when people are numbing out, they're trying hard not to feel some of the stuff that's in their hearts. But Jesus came for that. And, you know, we need to feel it to heal it. And I think when he comes, it's going to be so unexpected because people will be numb out and oblivious to the times that they're in. And I love Christmas and I always have. I just love, love, love the festivity, the decorations. I love it. So don't hear me say, don't have a party, have a party, have a feast and enjoy it. But the fasting, they're, they're very simple, but they call for a purposefulness. Like one of them is fasting from overdoing it. However, you're led mm -hmm. to overdo it, stop. Don't overdo it to impress, steward to bless. Another one is fast from self-contempt because there's a temptation in the holidays to compare and despair. They're simple like that. Mm -hmm. So once I've done the teaching, I'm just inviting you fast from fear, fast from worry, fast from stress. One of them was worrying about your lost loved ones mm -hmm. and trust them today to Jesus knowing he cares more than you do. So to me, these are fasts that are actually going to bring comfort and clarity to your soul. Mm -hmm. So again, have fun. But I just think keep the main things, the main things, because if it's just feasting, if it's just partying because it's been a hard year and it has for so many, we will miss some of the revelatory insight God wants to bring to us. And Stan, there are people that have encountered a lot of loss and a lot of hurt. And if the holidays only serve to numb out so I don't have to feel that. Mm. To me, as a Christ follower, that's a massive loss because Jesus cares about that hurt. He has collected those tears in the bottle. And almost without fail, we pick up a lie when life lets us down. And so this is an invitation for you to say, Lord, am I dragging any kind of baggage with me that you don't want coming with me into the next year? What lies did I pick up when life let me down? And don't deny your air status at the end of the year just for a temporary you know, numbing so you don't have to feel things. This is the place. Invite our very real Savior into your very real story and see what he has to say about it. Susie, on day one, you explore Zechariah and Elizabeth, and, and you make the statement that hope needs to make a comeback. I love the Gospel of Luke. In that first chapter, you have Zechariah and Elizabeth, and the way that the Bible describes Elizabeth is righteous and barren. Like, you don't want to see those two words in the same sentence. It's holy and heartbroken. Mm -hmm. And that just arrested me right there. Because, Stan, I just think all of us, if not most of us, are walking around with a broken heart over something where we are in it. We are following Jesus. We're stewarding the call of God. We're doing our best with following him. And we're living in the tension of the not yet on some things that really, really matter to us. The fact that they sort of kept showing up in their faith walk that many years where they continued, they didn't cash in. I mean, and just said, this is not worth it. They saw God as the one true God, even though he didn't give them what they want. And I just think there's something so powerful about the fact that Zechariah was alone in the temple offering sacrifices, and then he wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. And there's this angel, and he encounters the angel who tells him, you're going to have a son. And Jesus said, you know, no greater man born a woman is John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. So the delay was significant because of the bigger kingdom story that God was writing. You've got to know the distinction between expectation and expectancy. The expectation is premeditated disappointment, where you decide ahead mm -hmm. of time, if God doesn't do this in this little framework, 
I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to be offended with God. I'm going to determine prayer doesn't work and God doesn't work. And to me, people do that. And But it's a very adolescent approach to the faith journey because he's not bound by our dictates. We're bound by his. He decides because he sees what we don't see. His ways are so much higher. And at the end of the day, his story will take our breath away. It's a much better story than what we would write for ourselves. So the idea of going, you know what, I'm living in the tension of the fact that there are things I just don't know about God. So she says to kind of abandon expectation and to embrace expectancy is to say, you know what, I admit there's a mystery to following God. There are some things I don't know, but I know he's good. And I know his promises are true. And I know that he knows where I live, basically. So I'm going to lean in. I'm going to walk with him with a holy expectancy that any day now I'm going to see a breakthrough. And even just in brain science, when your brain is conditioned to look for something, it's like it will be more keen to find it. So if you're looking for rejection when you walk in a room, you're going to find evidence, even if it's not true evidence. So that's just in the brain sense, but in the spiritual sense to go, I'm going to live with a holy expectancy that goodness is coming because I serve a good God. Mm. And yes, there's chaos in the world, but God is above all of that. And his promises are true for me. So I'm going to keep my heart in it, even if the delay takes place. Anytime you see a delay in scripture, it's because God is doing something so much greater than the thing that the person asked for. Give us a little perspective on hope, just as you think about the contrast of like, how do we maintain hope in the midst of a lot of things that are looking pretty dire in our culture right now? I appreciate you saying that, Stan, because you know, I don't know who said it first, but I've heard it again and again, and, and I've repeated it, but it's like we have two unhealthy extreme reactions to culture. We can shake our fist at the darkness and just get angry and shout at the darkness, you know, or we can entertain ourselves to death and put our head in the mm. sand and go, ah, this is too much for me to take on, so I'm out, you know, mm. but neither of those is the response for the Christ follower. And I've been saying for years on my show, and especially in the last couple of years, as believers, we must steward our perspective. We have mm. to, because I think there are too many Christians who are shouting at the darkness, shaking their fists. They're getting all their news and the bad news is seeming more powerful than the good news. But you know what they're neglecting is time with God, time in his word, time in his presence, time to hear his voice. And you will lose hope if we're fixing our eyes on what is temporary. And I'm an empath, so I feel things deeply. And I'm an intercessor and I'm an introvert. My mentor says I have an upfront <laughs> ministry with a behind the scenes heart. And it's just 100% true. I could spend... I could be a monk. I could spend hours every day in prayer. I just, that's my base. So I feel things deeply when I turn on the news and I see the reality of even what you're talking about. So I think each of us has a measure of grace of what we can handle. Jesus always says, pay attention to the fruit. Is the fruit of your inputs trying to keep up on what's happening in the world? Is it bearing, you know, anger, vitriol, reactionary life? And is it just tying you up in knots? Souls aren't wired to handle 24 seven of bad news, mm -hmm. but the good news always needs to be up front. And so for me, Stan, I take the news and bits and pieces, and then I immerse myself right now in the last, I would say in the last couple of years, whenever I'm doing anything that doesn't require some of my mental space, I've got scripture playing on my phone. I want his word in me so that there is a word from God for me and for others when I encounter them. So this takes, I think, some intentionality. Hope needs to make a comeback. So whatever that looks like for you, as far as getting in with God and reminding yourself, wow, life on earth is short. Eternity is long. And so every battle, every cultural bit of chaos is an opportunity for me to have an eternal response, you know, to engage my faith, to pray, 
to love, to forgive, to walk in humility, to be like Jesus, and to trust God with the rest of it. Susie, knowing you, you don't waste words. Every word matters, and there's a reason and a purpose behind it. So even the, the title of your book, so Prepare Him Room, yeah, I'd love to kind of hear your thought and heart behind that title. Yeah, you know, as someone who battles still daily chronic health issues. It's two steps forward, three steps back constantly. And yet I believe God's given me things to do. So I do have a pretty significant task list. And I just realized just with my framework and the stuff that I have on my plate, how easy it is for your heart to get cluttered with reactions and responses and tasks and to lose sight of keeping the main thing, the main thing. Greg Laurie was on the radio as I'm listening and I'm driving into the the dock and he was referencing when Jesus says, when I come, I'll come quickly. And he's like, it's been 2000 years. What's quickly about that? You may ask, but he said quickly doesn't mean soon. Quickly means when that first domino falls, the rest of them are going to fall quickly. It was so interesting because I was pondering that as God often works within events in the context of events. We expect, I want to see you work this weekend, but he's working so many things together. He's preparing the bigger story for the sake of events that must take place in the bigger kingdom story. So like Elizabeth and Zechariah, the delay had to happen because of when Jesus was born and when John would prepare the way. And that helps me so much to go, in the end, this is all going to culminate as God said it would. And so in the meantime, I have to live as one who's spoken for. I have to live like my walk with him is the most important thing because it is. And his voice is the most important thing. I don't know about you, Stan, but I do feel like at least in the West here as Christians, we've been exiled to Babylon. I, I feel like we're living in Babylon. I mean, just everything seems upside down and the moral anarchy and and the literal anarchy and the disrespect and even the division in the body of christ the unapologetic calling people out and dissing them on social media without ever talking with them privately it's like all of that stuff grieves my heart so very much but when i step back and go how i steward every single battle matters in the bigger scheme of things that one day i'll give an account and god misses nothing and he's indifferent about nothing. But he is who he says he is, and he's coming soon. I want to live ready. And and Jesus says, even in the Gospel of Luke, if I find you living expected for my return, I'll put on an apron myself and sit you at that table. And I'm trying to, I like, I can't even imagine Jesus saying, you know, sit, I, I found you ready. I have found you full of faith. You know, nothing matters more than living as one who's spoken for. You know, Susie, you were talking a few moments about that when the Bible talks about Jesus is going to come quickly, you use the example of a domino falling and how they all start to fall. As you were saying that, I thought we've seen that on the negative side in our culture right now. Who we were as a country, or at least appeared to be as a country two years ago. And man, a year and a half ago, when that first domino fell, man, how quickly things have just slid. I mean, we're talking about things that I would have never thought we would talk about. And there's confusion around things I would have never thought there'd be confusion about. And it happened so quickly. Yeah. If we aren't living discerning lives, if we are just joining in with the chaos of the culture and joining in with the noise, and we are not sneaking away with God to get a sense of what he has to say, we aren't going to discern that because there are plenty of Christians who, as they leaned in, discerned, this is a slippery slide and there's a day where the momentum is going to come and the snowball is going to be rolling so fast and here we are. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have to just remember is that our sovereign Lord is preparing a place 
place for us. And he is preparing to return as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so we can't waste our space. You know, we can't just take up oxygen and just bide our time and hope we can make it till Jesus returns. And the best way, I think, to steward our lives is to first be much with God. That is the most important thing. Over the years, I have interviewed key leaders who I would call, and I hate this phrase, but people would call celebrity. I can't stand that phrase because they don't belong in a celebrity Christians because they don't live that way. So, But anyway, but I've heard people give that kind of label to certain leaders who just sprung up with the, they were hip and they had books and mega churches and all that. And the ones who fell that I would talk with after would say, I started to believe my own press. So busy working for God, I stopped walking with God. Hmm. And those things haunt me because we live in a culture of of five minutes of fame. It doesn't matter why I'm famous. I just need my five minutes of fame at the expense of moral integrity and conviction and consistency. And just Jesus didn't come that way. I mean, when you look at our first Christmas, there was nothing commercial about it. I mean, you know, the Israelites were under significant Roman oppression. People were being crucified outside the city. I mean, this was a day of chaos and crisis too. And Jesus came and and he's coming again. So somehow, some way we've got to live with that sense of how I walk with God and how I walk through these times as crazy as they are, it matters. And, uh, you know, if we don't have love in our hearts, if we're not able to pray for those that we oppose, then we need more time with God because we cannot live by our reactions. We've got to live from that place of intimacy. Susie, in your devotional, you tell a funny story about a Christmas tree, catastrophe, from that you learned a very important lesson. Would love to have the Mybridge family hear that that story and and glean from your learnings. My parents always made a very big deal of Christmas. So I just have always loved Christmas. But as soon as we were married, we had little ones and a lot of our crises happened around the Christmas holiday. Mm. So when I looked at our holidays each year and I looked at my friends who had health and they had wealth, I slowly developed an unhealthy Christmas fantasy. And one spring, Kevin's parents gave us a big giant artificial Christmas tree. I'm thinking maybe this next holiday is going to be my year. So Christmas started to arrive. I was starting to feel a little bit better. And I was thinking maybe this really is the year. So I got the cookies, bacon, we got the chipmunks in the cassette player. So the boys are in the living room with tinsel and they're singing along and Kevy's out there getting ready to put the tree together. And I'm like, how's it going out there, honey? And it seems that when he was doing spring cleaning in the spring before, he threw away much of the big tree and a little portion of the Charlie Brown tree. Oh so my. we only had pieces of trees, but he's Tim, the tool man. I mean, he can build anything, you know? So he's like, it's okay, hun bun. And he starts dispatching the troops to bring him all of his tools. And I'm thinking of my friends who are decorating to instrumental saxophone music <laughs> and we've got screw guns going. And, you know, it's like by this time it was bedtime for the boys and our living room looked like a construction zone. And I just kissed him on the top of the head as he's just working and drilling holes. And I said, honey, we don't need a tree this year. It's really okay. So I tucked the boys in bed. I went to bed. In the middle of the night, I woke up and he wasn't there. Walk out to the living room. And our living room was perfectly clean. And Kev was sitting in front of a perfect medium tree. I crawled in his lap and I was suddenly like surprisingly overcome with emotion. And the Lord whispered in my heart, Susie, that mess. I know that feels like your life, but I have a vision. I'm doing something you cannot see. And just like Kev would not give up, 
until this thing was done. I'm not giving up and I don't want you to either. And I sat on Kev's lap in front of this tree and I wept my eyes out. And I was thinking, we weren't ready for the big tree. We're ready for the medium tree. It was truly like such a profound reminder that God is actively involved in our story, even when we can't feel him or see him or sense him. And I think that's important, Stan, because when you're walking through crisis and heartbreak in the holiday season, it's like the festivity mocks your pain because everybody else seems to be skating through and enjoying the best of the holiday while you're feeling the worst of it. Because that's when the contrast of their blessing and your burden is so significant that it's just gut-wrenching to walk through that and going, of all times to be dealing with loss or hardship or financial brokenness or marriage falling apart, holidays are the worst. And I just feel like it's such an important time to remember, you might feel like this construction zone, but I'm up to something good. And when it's all said and done, you're going to love the story that I'm writing with your life. Susie, delightful spending the morning with you and Again, thank you for taking the time. As we close, I guess I'd love for you to share in the midst of all that's going on as we enter into a Christmas season here, what's a word that God has spoken to your heart that's really helped to settle you in the midst of the turbulence in our culture right now? The word that the Lord keeps impressing on my heart is more, that he's able to do more and abundantly beyond Mm. what I could dare to ask or think. And that would normally almost stress me out because I'm already handling more than I feel like I can ask or think. (laughs) But what he's affirming to me is he can do more than what we're seeing. He can do more in the church. He can do more in the lives of the broken and the hurting and the sick. I really sense as I lean into him, he wants to increase our capacity as his people. Because right now it seems like the enemy has come in like a flood. But anytime he does, and he has, the Lord will raise up a standard, but he'll do it through awaiting and watching people. And so my prayer is do more in and through me. Increase my capacity for love, for faith, for hope. Increase my capacity for expectancy so that when I lay hands on the sick and pray, they actually are healed. I'm just asking for more, Lord. If if the same power that rose you from the grave is available to us, well, we need power now. More than ever before, we need your power displayed among the people. So that's kind of where I've been hanging these days and just appealing to God. Well, Susie, what a blessing it has been spending the morning with you today. Thank you so much for being so gracious with your time, and thank you for sharing what God has put on your heart to help us get ready for this Christmas season. Really glad you're able to be with us this morning. Thanks for what you do and for the way that you do it.